Half knowing, half learning. What does it mean to explore the space between? I'm Jason E.C. Wright, and this is Half Calf, where I catch up and converse with friends and creatives in transition. Today, I catch up with Maceo Paisley as he expresses his life in flux as a career. Maceo, what are you in the middle of? I mean, I'm in the middle of a lot of things, right? I think I'm starting to be in the middle of my life. <laughs> Fair. I'm certainly, <clears throat> certainly entering the middle. I'm certainly mid, mid of my middle of my career. Mm. Um, now, when you say career, because you've done a lot of different things, what do you consider? that to be at this point it doesn't mean something different now than what it used to well my thing my career is just my life as a working person Mm -hmm. it's not a specific endeavor or occupation I think of it all as uh, a sequence of things that lead to something else in perpetuity not as like I'm a doctor my career in medicine right Right, it's not a title more as a right because I even if I had been a doctor and then I switched to investment banking, there would be things about my experience as a doctor that would inform my investment banking. Hmm. That said, I am... You're not either of those. I'm not either of those. <laughs> I would say that I'm um, in transition from being a freelancer to applying for the job of executive director of a national nonprofit, mm-hmm. and the application process requires that I build the nonprofit. And so that's your, I guess, like your mentality towards what you're doing with Citizens of Culture and New Too. Like that's that's the job is the project, and the project is the job. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't like the I, I don't like the way nonprofits work. I think they're beholden to um, interests that are usually opposite what their values and missions are. Hmm. And so I'm trying to create something that is that operates in a way that is wholly consistent and is funded by um, members and, and, and entities that are wholly consistent with its values and vision. So that's tricky. Um, because the world is complex. And so I'm also in transition, uh, or I'm also in the middle of studying complexity as an economic device and um, as a psychological and social device. How do we understand the nuances of each other and our social systems in a way that is productive for us and beneficial to us? Not even necessarily productive, but beneficial. Yeah, and it's interesting because like, Thing you're telling me, what'd you, what'd you study in school when you're saying? You say you study something dealing with like social science or something like oh, that? Oh, um, you know, just like behavioral economics. Yeah, that's what it was, behavioral. So, what was, what is that, what is that even? Well, I never went to formal college actually, but um, you know, I studied behavioral economics when I was studying uh, logistics mm-hmm. um, in the army. And so the idea was that people are not computers. And our emotions and our idiosyncrasies affect the decisions we make. And classical economics says that 
we are very we are hyper rational and we make decisions based on creating the maximizing our gain, mm-hmm. minimizing our losses, yeah. and mitigation of risk. Behavioral economics says that's not always true. Sometimes we park further to behavioral economics says that there's more to our decision making than rationality. Okay. So how do you apply that to um, like the things that you do for you know programming for new to or even for um, the greater vision or mission of what Citizens of Culture is for? Like how do you how do you choose to apply that? Because I've seen you do like the um, what was it the Rubik's cube where you mm-hmm. break that out yeah. and, and there's other things that you do with that, but like. Specifically, how do you? How are you trying to apply that now? And then also, well, when it comes to building a business, you have to first understand that if we're not purely rational decision makers, then that means the criteria for what we consider beneficial to us is more diverse than we think than we think it is. It's not just about making more money or getting the most value for our money. It's pleasure and like um, aesthetic and values and our personhood and our identity. And so what I do with Citizen of the Culture in terms of building the business and in terms of the programming we create is about trying to help people get in touch with their identities and understand what their values are. And do you find that most people don't really know what their identity is? Like they, they it's like I like to think I know what my identity is, but I really don't know what it is. Or is it? Do you think that people just kind of disconnect from it because of societal norms or what they think they need to conform to to make things work, to make their job work, their life work, or whatever like that? I think it's a number of things, but the main issue is that uh, there are not enough places for reflection in the world. So you might. Uh, remember a time when they have answering machines, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you would never hear yourself, you never knew what you sounded like till you go to someone else's house and they play you a message that you left them. Right. And a lot of people will be like, is that, that's what I sound like on the phone? They'd be surprised that their voice doesn't sound the way they think it does. Right. Or you find out how a person feels about you and you realize they're completely misunderstanding who you are as a person mm. based on the way you dress and talk or whatever. Then there's a point of reflection where you say, am I sending out the signals that are accurately communicating the person that I am? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, then maybe I need to change the signals. Yeah. If the answer is yes, then maybe I need to change the person that I am. And that's real. And I think that because you talk about a place for reflection, but maybe it's not just reflection, but like critical reflection or having the tools to say, hey, here's what you see and here's what you can do with it. Right. It's like you can have a mirror in your house, but then the mirror in the gym is different because the mirror in the gym is to help you create your form or make sure that you're doing the actual process. Right. And it's funny you talk about um, like your internal perception versus the external perception of things. Uh Ani, actually, she posted on, I think it was on Instagram or whatever, uh, yesterday, an excerpt from a book that I don't recall right now, I have to find it again, but it was to the effect of our stories about ourselves, like our own narrative is biased, it's like, it's based on our selective, how we like to think things were, what our intention was, and so we're leaving vital parts out because of time or content or whatever, but when you talk about, like, the grand scheme of things, other people's perception of you is always accurate to what actually happened in the story because they're the ones that experienced that outcome, the external part of it. And so like you said, it's matching up like, am I communicating who I actually am effectively? And if not, either I'm messed up or I'm messed up in a way that I'm communicating it. How do I fix that part? So what do you think has been uh, some of the 
some of the things that have worked from that standpoint of giving people a more accurate baseline uh, for, pardon me, for what they um, what they interpret themselves to be doing through the activities that you've done. What do you think? What, what what's actually worked thus far that you've seen? Well, hey, yeah, this has worked. The complexity experiment is great because it allows people to see what emotions they're more in touch with and how they operate in groups as far as decision making right um you know if someone says you know what this isn't working and they raise their voice and they take control of the group that's not good or bad that's just what you did yeah and in the recap we get to see like okay cool so you're the kind of person who in the midst of chaos whatever you're gonna try to step up take control of the situation and do something and do something yeah um is that consistent with how you see yourself as a leader or as dominant mm. or as aggressive? What about the negative elements of that perspective? Controlling, untrusting, yeah. right? Aggressive, even the same word, mm. right? Are you okay with both of those interpretations of your behavior? Mm. You know, because some people, I might think I'm stylish. Someone else could say I'm vain. Mm. And someone else could say you're confused. Yeah, right? And so when we step into our identities, there's going to be different vantage points for which we're experienced. And there's going to be a discord between what we experience and how we communicate our experiences. So um, the other thing that's been really good is like sex ID is talking about what we think we want and then how we go about getting it. And if we all are using this very similar tools for achieving these very different outcomes, are the, are the cards stacked against us already? And do we need to find new ways of playing with the same deck? Yeah. And that was an interesting thing because um, taking that course and being a part of that, the simplest example of the fact that we don't really know how to communicate what we want effectively all the time was from the handshake exercise, right? Like, how do you explain to someone how you prefer to have your handshake in a way that you feel is meaningful and impactful and stuff like that? And that is a parallel metaphor for everything from, you know, what we want from our partners intimately to what we want in our jobs to the fulfillment we want in life and what we're asking of, of our lives. Like, you can't explain this simply. How are you going to balance out the rest of everything? But it's also interesting because it illustrates this really fine line between being aware of how you communicate, right, or how you're perceived and if you're okay with it versus falling into that I need to do this thing to make people see me this way or to like me for like an external validation point as opposed to an internal communication point you know what I'm saying and that's the, the precarious balance with that do you find that any of the things that you do muddy those lines or uh, do they make them more clear for the people as far as the outcome of the, the exercises yeah so the idea is, is to make them more clear mm -hmm. but <clears throat> the cool thing about the world is that it's so complex, any question answered only leads to more questions. Which is kind of ideal for the learning process. Right, so it's like, um, you know, we realized that everything, every living organism is made up of cells. Mm -hmm. And then once we realized that, we're like, wow, this explains a lot. But, but what are cells? <laughs> then we had to go into right, cells. Right, right. You know, and so it's the same thing with us, right? It's like, oh man. I'm, I have, I'm governed by this, everything that I do stems from this one 
core philosophy. Uh, wow, okay, cool. Well, well, where did that come from? Hmm. Right? Or how I do relationships is a manifestation of this part of my personality, but how I work when I'm alone is a manifestation of this other part of my personality. Yeah. And like, what are the, what are the labels that I've been given fall away and I can pick up new labels that help me understand myself in a more accurate way. If you read a horoscope and it says you're a Leo, and I'm a Leo also, but we're very different people. Right. Then what is it about this Leoness that's accurate? I don't know. But then if somebody says, ah, that's just your sun sign, then you say, oh, your moon sign is, is, is for me is a Pisces. Your rising is and then, whatever, and then yeah. you're and your rising sign is something. Then you say, oh, that level of nuance actually explains to me. She's, and then the astrologist says, well, now the three of them together give you a much more accurate picture than just your sun sign. That helps explain why two sun sign Leos can be so different. Yeah. And then that's what we're trying to do. And we don't necessarily use astrology, but we use um, the decisions you already make, a little bit of psychology um, to help you understand what kind of outcomes might be nascent within you. Mm -hmm. If this is what you're doing, why did you do that? Yeah. And it's funny because like a lot of a lot of people uh, were probably introduced to citizens of culture through the no pressure, no shame uh, and the, the brunches that you were doing. Um, because dating is something that is just weird for anyone in any, any city, but especially in major metropolises where people are very career-based, very uh, focused on making things look right for either, you know, people back home or making things look right for what they think that they're quote-unquote supposed to be doing at this point in their life or this point in their career, whatever the case may be. And so dating becomes this very interesting social experiment on, but are you okay with you, right? Mm -hmm. But from that... Why do you feel, or why did you feel that it was important to much more specifically outline and clarify the intention of what Citizens of Culture is actually about through the newsletters from what you think the perception had kind of like snowballed into? Why was it important for you to kind of plant that flag? I think it's important that we have a record, or that I had created a record mm -hmm. for my intentions so that I could look back chronologically and say, okay, this is when this Instagram post came out mm -hmm. that was promoting some event. But this was the thinking and where I was as a leader and as a person at that time. Right. So that I'm able to look back and say, okay, I've gotten much better at bridging the gap between my experience and my communication as a me. Mm -hmm. So it's the same practice that I'm trying to guide everyone else through. Right. I'm doing it myself. And so I have to do, I have to figure out my own program Right? right? And my program is have a public persona. Where am I documenting? Where am I journaling? Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on with me as a and more private? And that newsletter goes out to almost 20,000 people. So it's not super private. It's actually yeah. the largest audience that I have anywhere online outside of Twitter. Yeah. But it's, but it's direct to someone's inbox. It's a little bit different than a public broadcast. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So... To me, that's why the newsletter is very important, that I like be very open. And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm saying that I'm open, and that's different than transparent. Because yeah, I'm still yeah, a human yeah. being, I'm still, still, I'm still guarded, I'm not, I'm not putting uh, my, my 
financial information in the email, but I'm open, right? I'm open to sharing my ideas and my thoughts, yeah. and I'm open to hearing other people's, so I respond to those emails and stuff. It's not a one direction. Yeah, and speaking of uh, sharing those thoughts, like just going back to the Instagram stories, like how you use that, I mean, granted, at whatever time someone you know, looks back on things. Instagram stories is just one tool, just like MySpace was a tool or an Angel Fire was a tool, you know what I'm saying? But the way you've used it is this way of, hey, you can get inside of my thoughts right now as where they are right now, as, as formed as they are right now, and then they're going to disappear in 24 hours the way that a lot of those thoughts will do anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to how your experience, both in the military with the structure and then with dance and fluidity of movement, impacts the way that you exist in almost um almost a permanent state of flux like you use yourself like you said as your own experimentation board yeah. to, to sort these things out yeah. whether it's you know uh social social experiences people don't know that they're uh being a part of the experiment yeah, yeah. or whatever the case be but like how does that balance between like i said the fluidity and freedom of, of dance and expressiveness and then the structure that you came from the military how does that balance out and play into how you live your life in this state of, of, of yeah, sharing I mean, flux well, and learning before the military my dad was a really strict guy you know because you're from where again i'm from virginia but right you know, he's a, he's a disciplinarian, right? And he he was very inter, you know, interested in, in me cultivating uh, creativity, but more so self-discipline, mm-hmm. right? And so when I went to the army, it was like a continuation of that. Okay. But the whole thing for me is that led to a framework that says that freedom uh, requires structure. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're lost, not free. So it's like that boundaries creates freedom type. Thing. Boundaries create freedom. <clears throat> Otherwise, what are you free from? Because mm-hmm. it's not just what you can stay with them, but what you can exceed yeah. as well. Right. What are you free from? What are you free to do? Yeah. Right? If, if I said, hey, you know what? <laughs> to, a, you know, to someone I was dating and said, hey, you know, you're free now. You're no longer tied to me. I'm holding you back. They would say... Are you breaking up with me? <laughs> because there was... Right. Yeah. Well, it's almost like when you give someone um, too many options, like, hey, here's an open kitchen and a private chef. You can make whatever you want. And it's like, what? Versus here's a menu and you can vary anything off of this menu. It's much easier to augment what's already there yeah. than it is to just... I, 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 now I have to look in certainly. What do I really want? What do I really like? What are my tastes? What combinations work? I don't know. Right. And that's, and that's why creativity is takes a lot of discipline one of the you know people underestimate how rigorous MFA programs are mm-hmm. um, because they think you know artists are you know, spirits fluttery whimsical, right? whimsical but <laughs> generally speaking MFA programs are among the most like philosophically critical and personally critical um, and and psychologically critical places to do work because you're being asked to like reach inside yourself find out what you believe in put it in some medium and then let that be judged in one way or another by an audience that's real whereas in an MBA program there's the rules are take A and get it to B right Almost by any means necessary. It's like the you result. Know, within the con- the yeah, exactly. Within the confines of law, yeah. make this company bigger, faster, better, yeah. stronger. Yeah. And so MFA programs are like, why is this important? Mm. 
Why should anyone care? Why is this blue? And you have to have a reason for it. Yeah. That's a much more intentionality based. Why'd you move your fingers like that? You go because it felt good? Is that what your work is about? It's about you? You know, I mean, so yeah. we have to ask these questions, right? I think. And not to say that one's better or worse, they're just different and no, they're absolutely. challenging. They're challenging in different ways. Mm-hmm. One is saying, look inside yourself and tell me what the rules would be if you made them all up. The other one is, how are you going to express yourself within the confines of a given set of rules? Yeah. You know? And I've had it both. I've had experiences where I had to find places within a military framework to be the kind of soldier, the kind of soldier I could be, I wanted to be. But there were limits on that. Yeah. You can't wear colorful socks in the military. It's black or green. Yeah. Wear the same clothes every day in the military. So your style is not your fashion. Your style is the way you carry yourself. That brings up a very interesting sidebar, which maybe we'll have to revisit or maybe have to do another sit-down because I'm always curious about, again, you know, the boundaries creating freedom and things of that nature. The creatives that I know that are the most expressive are those that have a uniform. Like, they have one thing that they've committed to wearing on a regular basis that frees their mind up from applying creative energy. Oh, what should I wear? I express myself like I'm going to wear this thing so I can go and create everything else. And that's a very interesting thing. But to go back to where dance fits into it, because I'm really intrigued by the fact that you use dance as sometimes it's a cathartic metaphor sometimes it's uh, just personal expression like I just want to do this I love doing this there was your not not treatise but really like your your internal thoughts about when dance became the job and it was not as fun and stuff like that and then there's also the times when dance is very very intentional like you're trying to communicate something like back to that court you're saying about hey why did you move your fingers like that I mean, that felt good that's what your practice is about so with that how does how does dance benefit your thought process how does it augment it but more importantly how does it exemplify to your audience certain nascent characteristics that you hope people pick up just through your example um, for me dance is a, is what um, is a word that uses that oh, dance is a word that I use that people can understand to describe something that I'm doing that people might not be able to understand and what that is is using movement to understand myself in the world if dance is an art then it means that I am the brush and the paint and the whole world space and time are the canvas and so that means I get to understand the limits of my body, you know, but also gravity and my weight and my presence and my fatigue and like how I respond to that fatigue, how I can push against gravity and how fast I can move in relation to other things in the world. Um, and so to me, dance is all encompassing as like a philosophy to me. It's, it begins with meditation 
you know, sitting still and being intentional about your breath. And then it takes all the way, all the way, all the way up to like teleportation, flight, you know, telepathy. And those are levels I haven't reached yet. But it includes everything from yoga to ninjutsu to, you know, supernatural abilities, all in dance. Because it's, I think it's a core thing that connects me to my sense of agency. I don't even know if that answers the question. That pull goes back to what we've been talking about. It answers the question by opening other questions, right? But it just, because everyone has a different intentionality, I think that there are probably some dancers that would love to have had the words and wherewithal to put what they feel into the words like that. Um, I've danced early in my life, like when I was in high school, I was in a dance group, and there was like a certain level of freedom, but also responsibility and weight that came with it, but I think the thing about finding yourself, like you do a dance move, and you're like, wait, in my head, I'm doing this, but my body does not respond that way, so I have to learn how my body moves in order to figure out how to either A, execute it as I see it, or B, accept the fact that that's not my style, and I have to go with whatever my predominant you know left or right yeah. or fluidity or whatever yeah. that thing is it's like it's up to me but it's not up to me it's like yeah. hey this is your thing you may have failed spectacularly at doing what that person did or you can see it as you've succeeded incredibly at doing something that is uniquely you and that's really yeah. about it's almost like you said it's wayfinding for yourself in space time yeah I mean that's why I say movement right because <clears throat> If I use the word dance, some people hate dance. Mm. They don't like dancing. But movement, we're all moving. We're all moving through the world. And so as a dancer, I'm informed by society, because society is the music. Mm -hmm. Society is the rules, it's the rhythm, it's the backbeat, it's the melodies, and we're just moving through that. And so if you can get in touch with your rhythm, your own pace, what feels right, and you can get in touch with the backbeat, the sounds of the street, policy, your place in society. Then you can find a middle ground where you're moving at your own pace and your own style. And it's liberating in a context. Yeah. Which context, that's something that you and I have talked about at length more and more recently about the importance of especially historical context, uh, but also the context of you and context of where you fit in in society. It's like, you know, when we talk about your, um, not contention, but your uh, your thoughts on uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, whereas, like, I have one viewpoint and you have the other, but it's yeah. it's like, you know, talking about Baldwin or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just very interesting to talk about, you know, the context or, like, Confucius. Like, oh, he was really wise, but also he was living through one of, like, the worst, like, feudal periods in that time frame. It's like taking something that one person is doing just as it is versus what created the circumstances of why this was needed to be said or why it was needed to not say something and choosing how that works the context of that where do you where do you hope that all of your self-exploration now ends up in the context not just of your life but of the lives that you've impacted of this like blip in time that people will look back on 10, 20 years hence and say that period of time working with ACO was this, 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 and this where do you hope that your work falls in context for others and where do you hope that it falls for yourself in this career of being you? I hope that when I die I, I can look back on my life and say I did my best as many days as I had a best to give 
and be honest about that. And I hope that other people can look back on my life after I'm gone and say, he gave his best on the days when he could give his best. And I hope we can be agreement about that. Not that I never hurt anybody, not that I'm even a good guy, you know, but that like, you could tell he was trying. You could tell he gave a shit. You could tell he, he put in what he could when he had it, when he had it to put in. If I could, if I, you know what I mean? Like, if I could lay my head to rest with that, get, 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 give it all you got. Get, give it all you got. <laughs> Thanks to Maceo Paisley and Citizens of Culture for today's episode. This podcast is presented weekly by The Vanishing Gallery. Until next time, keep exploring the middle and what lies within. Yeah.